With the first pick overall, the New Jersey Devils are proud to select from the U.S. program, Jack Hughes. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Jersey Joe Corner. It is brought to you by Big Heads Media. It is going to be a great hockey season uh, coming right up. A lot of interesting things. Uh, Anchor.fm will help you uh, start your podcast and get things rolling. It's going to be a lot smoother when you uh, when you get the Anchor app, and it's so much easier to navigate. Even their online website at anchor.fm is very efficient and you can do a lot of great things with it. Money. Welcome to the Jersey Joe Corner. It is Jersey Joe and Jersey Jim. How's everybody doing today? It's 2020. It's rivalry day for the New Jersey Devils. It's time to hit the old house in the garden. Yeah, I mean, look, the Hudson River rivalry renewed tonight. Devils and the Rangers. And both teams won the summer, but both teams not playing well this year. Though the Devils, got to say, they're playing a lot better as of late. They actually look rather impressive. I mean, although they lost to the Islanders in overtime, I was at that game. And although they shouldn't have blown the lead in the last five minutes, but they looked very well structured versus a a high octane offense in the, uh, the New York Islanders. Yeah, they looked really well, actually, you know, to be honest. Um, yeah, they had a good structure, had the lead. I mean, they blew it late, but you know what? It's one of those losses that I guess you can live with after a while. I mean, they played well, probably should have won the game, but, it happens when you lose in overtime, especially when you miss chances on one end. Well, at one point, it looked like Nikita Gusev or even Jesper Bofis was going to cash in on uh, on the top corner on yeah. uh, three on three. So it could have gone either way. It could have gone either way. Like we said, like Boquist had a couple of chances and then uh, Gusev had a chance. But then Anders Lee scores for the Islanders. And it was a nice bounce-back effort for the Devils. I mean, they played well against Colorado, but in the end, they were just, it was just too much. I mean, Colorado just, is just, just a, that much of a better team. And there was that one call that just blew everyone away. Even one of the people I talked to who's a listener is actually a Rangers fan who actually likes the podcast and actually likes the input. So um, he actually disagreed with a Colorado fan. Yeah, I mean, most, you know, it depends on who you talk to. Some people said Mackenzie Blackwood tripped Calvert. Others said Calvert tripped. But the, the biggest thing is, is that the trip on Severson about 30 seconds before that play happened was never called. So if Severson, if the penalty gets called on Calvert for tripping, the Devils are on a five on three and we're talking about a different game. Different outcome. Absolutely. A completely different outcome. Instead, uh, you have Calvert not called. Uh, then they collide. Bump goal goes in. Everybody loses their mind. Simmons gets tossed. You see Nazardine showing emotion. He's pissed, and the Devils just lose the game. And you know what? They showed a lot of emotions. A lot of other people are beginning to like that. I, for once, you know, it's it's good to see some flair for the dramatic and. In the midway of this season, you know, there has been talk about – you were talking about Kyle Palmer 
possibly getting traded to the the Bruins. And I just came across an article I just sent to you per The Athletic. Um, they mentioned that Anders Bjork could be a throw, uh, not a throw-in, but a, a key centerpiece in that kind of a trade for left wing. And they think that with his speed and his shot that he could be a good fill-in for Taylor Hall. Yeah, I mean, I would think more of the lines because they're really high on Anders Bjork. So I think if anything, you could see like a guy like Jake DeBrusque. And everybody's got to realize it's just, you know, he he fits with the Bruins. I mean, he fits with New Jersey. Don't get me wrong. And it was funny. I was stumbling upon some stuff on the Internet today. And it and I was reading an old article when the Devils were in Dallas. And they said the New York native. The, the, the writer who should who wrote that should, you know, people should send comments to him. Because Palmieri's from New Jersey. He grew up in New Jersey. He was. He, he trains in the summer in Boston, so that's why people are the affiliation there. But the dollars and cents have to make sense, and the Devils would get a roster player in return. It's just who do you who is it, and would the, would the defense the Bruins be able to part with some defense like uh, Connor Clifton or somebody else? So, I actually actually funny thing you mentioned in some names of the defensemen. Um, I'm 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 really high on. Matt Gazelchik. Oh, Matt Grizzlick. Yeah, yeah, Matt Grizzlick. He's yeah. Everybody's high on him. I think he would do uh, a really good job playing in New Jersey's uh, top two pairings on the defense. He would add a lot of physical size, and um, I'm not sure exactly who the Bruins would want as a defensive piece. But um, if they wanted Ty Smith that would add a lot more value from the Bruins in, to the Devils from the Bruins to get a key player uh, back. Because if there's some supplementary player, you know, you're you're going to get a good return on the investment. Yeah, of course you are. And, you know, everybody knows that that the Devils, you know, are could be a seller come the trade deadline and – you know, it's Palmieri's name's just been thrown out there because the Bruins, obviously, outside their top, you know, outside their first line, they need scoring. And he's good on a power play, as we see in New Jersey. And he I, does, he's done well on five on fives. You got six, six, five on five uh, strength goals. Yeah, I mean, look, the real question is does he want to leave New Jersey? Do the Devils really want to part with him? Uh, he's, he's a year and a half away from free agency. I could see Shearer locking him up this summer to a longer-term deal. Just just to have a guy like that. You need a guy like that around. A good veteran presence, likes New Jersey, loves being here from the area. You need you need guys like that on your team, especially a young team. He's also an all-star uh, for the first or second time. Second time all-star, yeah. Second time, because last year was his first, and – also, please vote for Nico. He's uh, last man in for the uh, Metropolitan. I've been doing my part in voting him in. He looked absolutely stellar the last game. Yeah, and you, I obviously vote Nico. Obviously, you always got to vote Nico just because I had it out with some Islanders fans last week on Twitter. Uh, we were talking about how, you know, I when when he made that play to win the game against the Islanders, I said to him, I said was like, you know, this is a reason why Nico should be going to the All Star game. And people are like, well, Barzell's numbers are better, and this and that. I said, I don't care what his numbers are. I could care less about numbers. I, I could care less skill. about no. I care about skill, and I want him there. Now, granted, if the Devils were in contention, I would probably go the other way and be like, no, I don't want my guys going. I want them rested for the playoffs. But since they're not going to the playoffs, have these guys on. You want the best skilled players there. To experience with other players. Exactly. So it's a good thing for them. And I think, you know, when you have these kids going forward, you have this current Devils roster where you can possibly – 
bring a guy up like Colton White, replace Mirko Mueller. Mueller in the last game versus the Islanders, he didn't look so good trying to pass a puck up. And he looked like he just was passing the puck a little too hard and trying to do a little too much. Yeah, he's – I mean, look, the Devils defense, We, we everybody knows the story, how bad it is. Um, and Mueller just doesn't help. Uh, he looked good at times, but then he makes the same old mistakes. And then you have – you know, now you're trying to rotate who's – you know, where everybody is because you're trying to make up for, for defensive weakness. And I think that's what the Devils need to do. they got to find somebody – that fits their their system, and it would be ideal just to get rid of Marco Mueller altogether. I think you have to take a loss. I know it's it's upcoming tax season, but talking about trades, um, it's worth taking a loss on a guy like Mueller for the good for the long term because you have kids like Colton White who are trying to make their way on heaven's door, and then you have kids like. Uh, Kevin Ball, who could possibly, you know, be playing in Binghamton next year, and you have all these kids like Ty Smith, you know, Nikita Ohotyuk, Daniel Misuel, they're all going to be banging on the employment door trying to get in to play with the New Jersey Devils, and that's a good problem to have. It's healthy. It's It builds competition. It really does, and, you know, Obviously, everybody watched the World Juniors. They saw Canada win the gold medal. You know, Kevin Ball, Ty Smith were an integral part of that game. They really played well, especially in a penalty kill. Um, and there's going to be positions that are going to be open next year. And, you know, when a guy like Mirler is not around, it even opens up one more spot. And it makes um, a guy like Sergey Brelin make uh, his job even more important to help the Russian-speaking players uh, adapt and play the North American game. And the ice level is a little bit different. But they, I did notice that Daniel Misuel adapted well to the hybrid uh, ice surface, which um, the surface was uh, slimmer but it was still like a longer European style rink in the IIHF U20 uh, series games that we were watching. I mean, yeah, they were great. I mean, the, the that hybrid ice really opened some things up. Um, it was The games were fun to watch. I really enjoyed them. Tournament is always fun. That game was very, very roller coaster like on Sunday. So it's, you know, it's good. And, yeah, like you said, Daniel Misu played well for Russia. I mean, Russia had the lead at one point. And it looked like he was going to win the gold medal. I mean, just seeing the competition between those three uh, Devils prospects. And then you also had, for Sweden, you had a forward and Nikola Pasic, the the Serbian-blooded Swede, um, actually had a a pretty good experience playing with – Lucas Raymond and Alexander Holtz uh, for the the two guys that could possibly be in the top five in this year's draft. And that Swedish team actually looked pretty good, although they didn't face as as much adversity, which got them the the bronze medal. So there is a lot of compete on that team with a kid who was drafted a little late in the later rounds of last year's draft for the Devils. So the scouting department is doing their part in finding the right players to employ. Yeah, they definitely are. I mean, look, he took a backseat on a, on a loaded Sweden team up front. I mean, look, you know, Holtz, Lucas Raymond, Niels Hoaglander. Niels Lundqvist. Yeah, Niels Lundqvist. All those guys took center stage for Sweden. So, I mean – they they had a great tournament except when they they ran into the Russians. I mean that was a, that was a tough loss uh, for Sweden. Uh, you could tell um, they were right there too, and it was just a bad line change that kept um, Rasmus Sandin out there by himself. Yeah, and we always talk about those bad line changes. You know, uh, the Devils seem pretty good so far, transitioning with Elaine Nazardine as 
the interim head coach. Some people don't think he's going to be the coach for the future. I think he can because the way he's won the locker room right now in the past 10 games, I believe going forward, uh, he's gotten the message across to the players. And just watching the way the players like Nikita Gusev, he's played such a really good job in the offensive zone, being a two-way player and using his stick more often to create those opportunities to score. And if he can do that tonight in Madison Square Garden and possibly strip the puck from another Ranger player like he did last time on uh, Panarin and score five hole, then we're looking at a really good game. Yeah, and, you know, Gusev, you know, he's he two, two games to the Rangers. He's played well. Um, You know, Palmario shows up. Peacher's going to show up. Blackwood against Shesterkin tonight. Um, that'll be a good, fun little goaltending matchup for everybody to watch. And, you know, Panarin's going to be dangerous. Rangers always somehow play well at home, on home ice. They always do. Um, so it's going to be good. It's going to be an interesting game for the Devils, no doubt. I, th- I think they should have called up Mikhail Malta for this game, especially the way he scored on Georgiev. And that was in the, I know that was preseason, but like you have a guy of a long reach with speed and a power forward game, you know, who can skate for a big guy. You can definitely have a guy like that play a good power forward game and carry a bottom six. I mean, he's doing such a great job for uh, the Binghamton devils. And I know our listeners out in Binghamton are listening. And I, I would actually like your input on this, uh, this player and all the other players that you want us to talk about with the boys from the AHL. Yeah, I mean, Maltz have had another beauty shootout goal last night. And even, even you know, when he doesn't have those highlight goals in the shootout, he's playing well for the Binghamton Devils. And that's important. They're winning. So they're making their – they're trying to get back. And, you know, speaking of the baby devs, uh, Joey Anderson is going to the All-Star game in the AHL. So Minnesota for him. boy. Yeah, so because Ben Street's up with the the, the Devils, you have um, Anderson going in his place. And and I was just saying, like, uh, you have a guy like Joey Anderson. He's a really good meat and potatoes guy. Could could be a top nine forward, you know, middle six. You know, some guy you need to grind it out, you know, to get those uh, those important goals that – mean a lot in a rivalry, kind of like John Madden used to. So, <laughs> Yeah, speaking of Madden, you know who reminds me of Madden? Just real quick tangent uh, is Blake Coleman. I mean, he may not get the shorthanded goals like Madden, but, man, put this guy out shorthanded. He'll get chances. I mean, the other game that he played in on that shorthand, he, he just – he's been doing it for years now. It just – it feels like it's his calling card. It really does. It really does. Feels like it is calling card. That's why I'm like, you know, Blake Coleman is solid player. So, you know, it's good to have those guys on the team, especially guys that can penalty kill. And I believe the way that the team is playing as a whole, they're starting to play better in the penalty kill, and they're actually making it more into a offensive uh, chance. They're making these counterattacks where they're starting to attacked the the opposing team on their on their power play where they could be killing us. So things under Nazardine have looked pretty good, but you know, some people don't think uh Sandlin would work, some people don't think uh Roblevsky would work. I could concur. I mean, but if we go here on out the next half of the season, I wouldn't be surprised if Nazardine is the full-time coach. I mean, he he's done so much in the short amount of time to uh, apply the slightest of adjustments that Hines has not done for this team, and he's really right of the ship. I'm not sure what you think, but go ahead. I went on a tangent. I mean, look, I think he's done an excellent job with the Devils since taking over. I mean, the first six games were a little rocky, but then they put they put some wins together, got some points. Picked up another point the other night. They're clearing up some holes. They're playing as a team. They're not relying on one guy to score. 
you know, Nico, he, it's Nico Heischer's team. I mean, it sucks that, you know, guys like Jesper Bratt and Jack Hughes are still out of the lineup with injuries because that would make this offense even better. High octane. Yeah. So you clearly can see that they need those guys in, in um, the offense, but they're doing their best without those two. And when you have Nico Heischer riding the ship and guiding the players on the top line, it's uh, it's a good thing to see. What I would like to see is like maybe Boquist get a shot at that top line, though. You know what? I was saying before the season that a guy like him, I wouldn't be surprised to see him as a top left wing, top center on the top two lines. I think he's really adjusted well. He's looking a lot cleaner with his shooting. I like his skating. His his processing of the game is actually starting to translate a lot better now that he's getting a lot more ice time. So I actually want um, – I actually just talked to uh, Chris Wassel, uh, digital messaged him earlier today, and I said, come on between trade deadline and uh, the draft, and we can talk more about uh, these guys and what this means going forward for this team in the offseason. Yeah, I mean, look, Boquist, he, I mean, Devils have high hopes for him. I mean, obviously, he, you know, he made the team out of camp for a reason. So, he's playing well. And then, you know, Gusev obviously is finding his own. It's taking some time. But, again, look, like you even said it, you hit the nail on the head. He's playing more. Before, he wasn't even playing. And when he was playing, he was playing on the fourth line. A skilled guy like that needs to be playing top six minutes. That's what he's there for. And I, I think I said earlier in the year that if you, if you trade Taylor Hall and you get a guy like Boakvist more ice time, he can start to flourish. And I believe, you know, when he's playing, if he's playing again tonight, in the next 15 minutes, Amanda Stein is going to release a tweet talking about the line pairing. And I hope it stays the same because, you know, these guys are starting to click. And before you know it, you know, all this familiarity will help this team increase their odds of winning. And in this 2020 draft, I call it the wholesale draft because there's a lot of high quality in quantity going at least to the first 50 to 70 picks. That's I mean, that's how I feel. I'm not sure how everyone else thinks, but I think it's going to be pretty good, especially the Devils have two first-rounders, and they have a couple actually really good picks to use. Yeah, it's a deep draft. Um, Everybody says, you know, it's a deep draft. I I mean, look, the best draft probably ever was 2003. Um, I don't know if it's to that standard, but it's it's good. But you're going to have to find those hidden gems, Um, and you just can't. You know, obviously, you know, hits and misses, but you can't keep missing anymore. You got to start hitting on some of these guys, um, especially when you have a lot of draft picks. To verify this with our listeners, um, the Lou Lamorello years were, if we're, if we're going to do a redraft 2003 to 2015, so between that time frame, 2003 was the best draft, I would say, at that point. Given a few other Devils players that made it through, like Henrique, but um, everything else became more of a miss, which began the the demise pretty much. Um, I will put this out there. Um, the the Ray Shiro, uh, Paul Castron, director of amateur scouting, um, was 2016 all the way through 2019. So we can't really um, put a number or grading on those drafts just yet. They have more to hit on. Um, 2020 draft will be the Ray Shiro, uh, Gates Orlando, uh, draft class. So anyone who wants to begin criticizing, those are the eras we can base it off of. Yeah. So if you, and then we'll, we'll do, and we'll do a show about it when we redraft. But if you think about it out of the handful of guy, out of all the guys that were drafted, only a handful of guys made the team and had decent NHL careers. And if you compare that to other teams, 
throughout those years, you could see that the Devils failed miserably in picking the right player, especially when the guy they picked hasn't done anything and a guy the other team picked has gone on to win three Stanley Cups. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's tough. I mean, you know, you always play the what-if game when it comes to that. But, you know, New Jersey, you know, they're turning things around. I mean, like I said, you got to temper expectations. It's not like they're going to make the playoffs. But it's good to see that they've turned things around. But I don't when when I say turn when you say turn around, I like to think more about like they're building off what they were doing wrong in the in the first part of the the season, but they're starting to progress into twenty twenty on the right side of the foot. But they're gonna start picking around the core players that they have now, the, after the ones that they trade away. They're gonna eventually have the players that. They bring in from the recent draft classes. They're going to build through that. They're going to have other guys from other trades in this year and maybe sign a guy or two. No, no, nothing fancy schmancy that they're going to need because that's not Ray Shiro's real calling card. So, you know, not talk about the Braden Holpe or uh, Jacob Markstrom type thing because that was on the athletic where they said, don't be surprised if they don't go for those guys. I mean, look, they're going to have to get a veteran, though. That's the problem. Like, you need to get a veteran in there. I understand Mackenzie Blackwood, they like him. But who you going to – you think – you know, I, I get it. Corey Schneider is playing well in, in the AHL. But that doesn't mean he's going to be able to play next year in the National Hockey League and be a reliable number two with his history of injuries. You still need to get a veteran in there for Mackenzie Blackwood because it did wonders for Colin Hellenbeck the one year in Winnipeg. And then you talk about with your source that, you know, there's all these ideas and variables going around the team. And <clears throat> we talked about, you know, this guy and that guy maybe coming from, like when we talked about Taylor Hall's, possibility getting traded to Colorado or Arizona we were hearing you know this part of the contract wasn't signed for longer term we couldn't get enough leverage to get a player like a Byram or a Barry right. Payton you know there I mean if the Devils have to trade a, a roster player to get a bunch of young players back and that player is really high quality it's worth it, but, you know, is the player who wants, who might or might not want to get traded want to go? Uh, not sure what y- your guy says, but it's worth, it's worth the, the, uh, the idea to be. Yeah, I mean, look, you know, there's so much, so many things rolling around. I mean, look, the Devils, you know, obviously, you know, with what's going on in Buffalo, how Marco Scandello got traded to Montreal, obviously Rasmus Ristolainen is still on the block. You know, Colin Miller's a name that's out there. Devils have interest in him. It's it's just who can they? Who are they willing to give up? Who does Buffalo want? What what's coming back? You know, I I think Colin Miller would be a great fit for New Jersey, especially defensively. Uh, they, they could use a guy like that. Um, you know, what about like a guy like a Miles Wood? You know, what is Nashville looking at him? You know, does hate how much value does like a Rooney or a Hayden have? Um, and then who else are they going to move? Um, is a Vatnin going to go because Vegas needs defensive help? Um, who can they snag from there? And what's the return if it's going to be a conditional pick? Eh, I'd rather let the guy walk a free agency. Uh, if you're giving me something in value in return, I, yeah, then it's worth it. But, you know, it all depends on, you know, what teams need and who they want. And I was just thinking, like, we talked about Buffalo being against the cap with uh, a couple guys on LTIR, about four guys on LTIR. 
I think it's good leveraging for Ray Shiro to try and pull something off. I mean, you know, you talk about Rissa Line and some guys on Pucks and Pitchforks say no to Rissa Line because of his his uh, his plus minus is or or too far or as we like to say, he's the clubhouse and, leader with plus minus, and that's not something you like to be with. But I think you know if if you don't look at the plus minus situation, if he was able to decrease the amount of goals going in, and maybe if he was better uh, player in positioning, I maybe you know he needs a better line mate. But sometimes it's also on yourself if you're being the one who's not playing your position properly. But I think Colin Miller is someone who the devil should look into, and you know would be worthwhile. Oh yeah. I mean, you, you've for. written about Miller. We've talked about him. He's not really getting much playing time in Buffalo. He didn't have much playing. I mean, he was good with Vegas. Um, so I think he would be a great fit for the devils. Again, it's just what's coming. What are we giving up to get him? This and that. So it'll be interesting to see as the trade deadline, uh, you know, pans out. I mean, you know, what, you know, are the Sharks going to sell off players? Uh, who's buying? Who's selling? You know, you know, look at Pittsburgh right now. I mean, Crosby's coming back, but they still got injuries up front. But Tanev's playing well for them. And then Jari seems to be the man in Pittsburgh in the net. But you got Murray, and that shows that, you know, there's a good tandem there. And the fact that nobody wanted Tristan Jari in the summer is just increasing his value now. And the goalie numbers, and Tristan Jari has similar numbers to Mackenzie Blackwood with wins, you know, you have shutouts, you have goals allowed, average, per, save percentage, you know. But I believe Blackwood has more potential than he does. Uh, I mean, that's just me, but when I watch Blackwood versus the Islanders, there were times where that the Devils shouldn't have been as close as they should have because there were times where there were shots, you know, coming off a rebound or, you know, some one was on the outside trying to backhand a goal in or someone took a nice slapper from the, the top of the slot and just uh, Blackwood snuffed it out in a real timely manner. Yeah, I mean – Blackwood is, you know, he's the reason why the Devils have won a lot of won games. He's the reason why they've been in a lot of games. Um, So, you know, he's playing well for what it is this season. It's always nice to have another guy in there to help out carry the load because he can't do it by himself, obviously. Uh, No goalie can anymore. Um you know, Jari had flurry when he first came in. The, or, I mean, Murray had flurry in Pittsburgh. Now Jari's there. And you saw when he filled in, he was a good, capable goalie. Um, you know, Vegas has that kind of problem right now. They don't really have a backup. I mean, Sup- Malcolm Subban's there, but how reliable is he? And then you eventually uh, run that goaltender into the ground and they – start to wear out a lot easier and then playoffs come around when once you get to the playoffs you don't know how it's going to turn out i mean uh it's just going to hurt the vegas golden knights and they might want a guy from someone else's system where they'll have to pay a premium for yeah exactly so you know it all depends on on what your needs are going to be i mean i think the action is going to start picking up soon uh, especially, you know, as the trade deadline gets closer, it's just going to be who, who's going to be out there. I wouldn't be surprised to see if Montreal keeps having their problems, that Kovalchuk gets traded. And I was just saying, I, I don't think Kovalchuk at this time in his career is really worth a whole lot. I mean, Montreal do, does definitely want a roster player back. But you would have to trade another player similar to Kovalchuk who would be less of a risk for both teams to kind of swallow both pills. Right. And speaking of Kovalchuk, obviously he's a 
non-North American skater. And today on the Raw Mike Richards show on Saga 960 with Dave Bastel, two good friends of mine, always have me on the show. Great stuff. Uh, Liam McHugh and Liam McHugh was on um, Hockey Historian and had this great debate. I'm kind of going to piggyback off that real quick. Talking about the greatest non-North American goal scorer. Um, you know, Ovechkin was the, that, the name that Dave Pastel came up with. He said he's the greatest non-North American. Um, you can go Yager in there, Forsberg. For looking at offense, you know, those three names come to mind right away. But then what about Lindstrom on the back end, what he did? I mean, it's just so many, so many guys to think of. You can't list them all. But it's just a good debate that they had today. I think, like, another really good non-Europe, I mean, non-North American yet European player, you have to put in Patrick Eliash at, so, at somewhere on that board because – Although he's not Yarmir Yager, but he is a Czech, and he has he should be up there by Yager in that sense of you know goals, assists. He's versus what Yager did. At least uh, Eliash won a couple. Stanley well, so Cups, did Yager. And... I mean, Yager had two Stanley Cups early in his career, so um, they both had two Stanley Cups. So. I mean, they're tied there. I mean, Yag- the thing was with Yager, when he came in, he had Super Mario um, with the Penguins. And then, like, he took over when Mario left because of had a battle, you know, Hodgkin, um, non-Hodgkins and lymphoma. Yager seemed to be a guy in Pittsburgh, even when Francis was still there. And, like, his points were crazy. And then, if, like I said to the guys today in a, in a tweet, I said, if, if Yager actually gave a shit when he was in Washington, his numbers were... His yeah. numbers would have been huge. I mean, if he actually gave a shit in Washington and and is the guy and 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 he was the guy that he is now, all about the fitness and all this stuff, and didn't go to Europe for or to go play in the KHL for those years, he, we could be talking about him as the greatest North non North American um, goal scorer. And essentially allowed Alexander Ovechkin to become the essentially the best. Non North American, and then that, player. and then they piggyback that into best, you know, best pure goal scorer, which I kind of agree that you know Ovechkin is one of the best pure goal scorers I've ever seen play. I mean, look, everybody could say you know Wayne, Wayne had four seventy plus goal seasons. Yeah, I mean he, you know, he leads every major statistical category in history, but he was a lot. He was known for passing a lot. I mean Gretzky's kitchen behind the net. I mean that's where he did his damage. So. Right behind the trapezoid, which is now today's uh, area of potential scoring. So, I mean, I did tweet out to Rob Mike Richards, Dave Bassel, saying that if you put Alexander Ovechkin in the same era as the goaltenders of Wayne Gretzky's, you know, given the size of Chico Resch's size of pads at the time, I think Alexander Ovechkin probably – you know, outpaces Wayne Gretzky at that, at that era. Yeah. I mean, I could, I could see that. Um, but like, like Liam said, like Liam McGuire said, he said, what imagine Wayne with no red line, no hooking, no holding and three on three overtime. I mean, it, you know, Wayne was, he was one of those, he was one of those special players to watch. I mean, real special. Uh, he could do it all. Uh, like in in this era now, like we have so many interesting from um, uh, Connor McDavid, who is essentially this decade plus, who really can dominate on his own skates at any given time, like he did in his hometown of uh, Ontario, a, a Markham, Ontario native. We also have listeners from Markham, so. Thank you for listening in. Uh, but also, like, McDavid is just one of those God-gifted players who just absolutely lights up any team he wants on any given night. He can do it in his sleep. I mean, it was the Connor McDavid show in Toronto on Monday night. It really was. And then when he, he scored that one goal and put the finger in the air, like, he just capped a great night. It's something about guys from that area wanting to play Wanting to play in front of their hometown against the Leafs, 
I mean, it was a great, it was a great sight to see. It was fun. It was a good, fun hockey game. And you have Matthews in that game. You know, Drysital, uh, Willie Nylander was there. Mitch Marner, Tavares. I mean, the skill display on in, in that game was awesome. And then last night with the Toronto Maple Leafs and Winnipeg Jets. I mean, the and overtime alone. Yeah, but the overtime alone, three <laughs> on three, was great. And then you had that shootout with Matthews. Was that was pretty nifty? He barely even touched it. Right, and then almost the, looked like the, Kucherov. Right, and then you had you know Wheeler coming in, scoring, snapping the helmet, flipping it up, and be like, "Well, let's get out of here," because he felt like they should have won in regulation. So, I I think a lot of young kids, you know, especially like, remember when Johnny Gaudreau came, like. He always comes to New Jersey, and as a New Jersey native, he always puts up good numbers against us. It's like, you know, you, like you said about McDavid, he comes in and he starts lighting things up. And, you know, it's, it's one of those things when you play in your home state or your home province, you always, you always want to put on the best for your parents and your everyone that you grew up with or people who admire you. So that's kind of the thing that, you know – if the Devils have had, you know, something similar with another player who's from New York, raised in New York, and they score in New York uh, in, like, Long Island or something like that, or, matter of fact, against the Rangers, that would be, like, epic. Oh, it would be – it would be epic is right. I mean, it would be great, but it would be – it would be epic, too. But, um, you know what, the – Devils, you know, they just got to play their game tonight. I mean, you know, it's obviously a rivalry game. It's a rivalry game for a reason. Um, it's Other intense. Teams like each other. No, and regardless of where they are in the standings, they're going to play each other hard. And you know what? It's like no matter where you are in the standings, there, there's always going to be bad blood between both teams. And you know what? It makes the the stakes even higher for players to fight for their job security on both ends. Uh, Amanda Sign does tweet out Blackwood, who has a whole new set of front teeth, will start tonight against the Rangers. She has a smiley face on. Yeah, I mean, it's no surprise that Blackwood is going to get the start against the Rangers after taking a puck to the helmet the other night and losing some front teeth. That's right. You know, if you you ain't a hockey player, if you don't lose some teeth every now and then. Hey, it's worth having the dentist to come help you out a little bit. Brought to you by Delta Dental NJ in in Connecticut. Yep. Um, I mean, yeah, I wouldn't expect so... I wouldn't expect the lines to change much. I really wouldn't. Um, but then again, who knows? She yeah, she hasn't tweeted out any changes. I mean, I just. I'm just checking what she said on Twitter, but um, I do want to let like our listeners know that we have grown so much uh, talking on so many different uh, topics from the devils and the world juniors. Like, you know, we could see a lot of players coming up from Binghamton because there'll be a few trades here and there. Um, we certainly talked about miles wood being, being moved. Um, I think he would do well in like Buffalo or Vegas where they need an extra physical body and someone that could help, you know, swallow some cap, but who knows like what the future holds for a guy like miles Wood, and maybe bring up a Mikhail Maltsev or a Joey Anderson. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Anderson got his looks last year. Um, he could probably get another look this year. It all depends, really. Um, but you know, I I would like to see Maltsev. This is this would be uh that would be a good spot for him to come in and play. Also, he and uh, he and Nikita Gusev are all very close in uh, friendship and whatnot, being both countrymen. So you add extra chemistry and familiarity with these two players and on the same team, you know, it makes, it makes the on and off ice a lot smoother for both players. And, you know, you have a KHL star and a 
uh, a devil's prospect who's working his way up and, you know, Gusev will help him, you know, assimilate to the NHL level. Maybe they both, you know, live in the same house. They could. It would be, that would be good. I mean, it's kind of like uh, Jesper Bofus and Jesper Bratt, uh, you know, who at times, you know, live together. You know, it helps them understand being part of this team going forward and building that chemistry, but also like building that winning culture under Ray Shiro. Yeah, and that's what the Devils want to do. They want to build a winning culture. It's tired of the losing. They're tired of it. That you could tell in their reactions. They're just getting tired of losing. Um, but you know they, you know they're playing. Like I said, we're pl- they're playing better, um, and that's the most important thing. And the structure of the team. I mean, it's looking very solid. I mean, I know Nick Merkley wants to come up. You have Fabian Zetterlin. Uh, you have. Michael McLeod, who needs a little ironing out, but you have Yegor Sharangovich, who's trying to make a name for himself down in the AHL, trying to get up to the big leagues. Marion Studenich and Sini, you know, all want to get up here. So does Nathan Bastion. So who knows, like, how long it takes certain kids in uh, Binghamton to make the big club and possibly see who can make the team in you know, the summertime, you know, in death camp. And then you have kids who want to possibly win jobs in the preseason. So there's a lot of a threshold for these players to really get through. So mm. on top of that, th- this is going to be a, a an evaluation period. Yeah, a, v- a big evaluation period. And, you know, they're going to have to keep looking at their options in Binghamton. You know, Binghamton keeps winning. Um, so, you know, guys are going to want to earn opportunities to come up. And I think they're going to have to see what they have. Can they, can they, can the guys that they acquired play at the NHL level? They're going to have to find that out and they should find it out before they go into training camp next year. And they should bring guys up now. And, you know, once they move, you know, you know, guys out, at the deadline, you got to see what you got. Now, I think this is where, you know, an idea has been thrown around of expanding the rosters, similar to what, like, MLB does at the end of the year. I think they should expand it to 50 players or or 45 at least. Like, you could add a, a kid like a Brett, a Brett Cini. You could add a student each, a Schnarr maybe. And then you bring up maybe a kid – like uh, Josh Jacobs or Colton White and maybe a Jeremy Grello to see how they can handle the pressure. And, you know, it'll be a good tryout, early tryout period for these kids. You know, there are a couple of these players who are RFAs coming up. There are also guys who are under contract till the July 1st of 2023. So, Really, it, it, it's a good uh, measuring stick and to see what their agents can get out of them as clients and to see what Ray Shiro can do as a GM and see what the upper brass thinks about giving a certain players certain contracts. Yeah. Um, and you got to see who you're going to keep around, what guys are going to get, you know, get extensions, you know, what guys are really true truly AHL players while um, other guys have shown that they can transition to the NHL. It's all a matter of, you know, what they believe is best for the team. And so what do you have on hand for us at last we're on hockey going forward for, uh, for this upcoming week? So, all right. So this, this past week, obviously, you know, Sunday wrapped up the world juniors, um, so I had the Canadian stuff done, and then I did a thing on the prior to that. I did something on the U.S. team's failings at the World Juniors, really looking at their top players that were coming in, like a, like Wallstrom and Cole Caulfield, uh, guys like that who underperformed in the tournament, but looked at guys like Shane Pinto and Trevor Zegras who really excelled 
um, under pressure and how it really is a 19-year-old tournament, uh, and uh, unless you're like Alexis Lafreniere, who can dominate at 18. Um, also, we had some predictions. Check them out on Twitter. Last word on hockey, Jim Berenger. Thursday predictions, those are my days. Get some games wrong. Uh, so if you want to win money, bet against them. Sure enough, you will. Though, I will say last week was a good week for me, so you never know. But I always say, want to win money, bet against my picks because usually they are always wrong. And um, is that is that on uh, FanDuel? Uh, not on FanDuel. We do predictions on last word on hockey. So we write, we do a little write up about the game. We predict who's going to win. And I tell people go out there and bet on wherever you want to bet. FanDuel. DraftKings. Uh, DraftKings, wherever the games are, bet against me. William Hill. You'll win every, yeah, you win every time. It's I, guaranteed. Actually, for people visiting New Jersey, there's certain things that you can do only within the state. So there's a William Hill betting parlor inside the Prudential Center. So they'll talk to you about that stuff. So, you know, just be smart. Just don't be betting stupid bets. You know, you'll regret certain things. Uh, I will tell you this, though. I've been doing a lot of predictions in uh, this year's NHL draft from December 31st. I did throw in a curveball at number five. So um, if anyone wants to know my top five, uh, so far it's Alexi Lafreniere. He's going to be first overall. I'd certainly see him first overall after the way he played against USA. You know, I can't go against the way he produced for Canada. Um, Quentin I Bayou, mean, he pretty, he pretty much solidified that he is the number one pick in the draft this year with his performance. I'll I'll bet someone a cup of coffee on that one. I think I think he's going first though. I I I have more have a gut feeling now that he'll go number one over Quinton Byfield. And uh, Quinton Byfield is my number two. Obviously, the Sudbury Wolf will not be you know overlapping the Ramoski Oceanic left wing center. So the Sudbury Wolf center definitely for my perspective should if the lottery balls stay as they are and the devils are at number two new jersey devils will get another center in quinton byfield six foot four evgeny malkin like player uh lucas raymond and uh alexander holtz at three and four um lucas raymond is a left wing alexander holtz is a right wing they're both snipers and playmakers they're pretty fast they're really good at decision making I honestly think those two Swedish duos will do fabulous with the third and fourth team overall picking them. There's no reason that they should be passed up that early. Uh, Number five, I'm going to tell you it right now, Marco Rossi of the Ottawa 67s. I think he's going to be the best Austrian-born forward and player in their history. Also, I think he's going to be just as good, if not maybe a little bit better than Nico Heischer. That's a good he pick. A Swiss. So, and you know who talked me into him and I watch highlights on him was Will Scouch of scouching.ca. So, uh, to anyone who hasn't listened to that podcast episode, please reference several episodes earlier in the year. Um, Will is very informative. I actually agree with him. I can see Marco Rossi between five and ten, but at this point in the year, although he wasn't at the uh, the World Juniors under twenty, I see him as a fifth overall pick. Yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of people maybe have been putting Jamie Drysdale there, um, but you know, it's a good pick. I mean. He's he's playing well this season. So, look, that's a, that's a solid top five. You really can't go wrong with that. Um, you know, I got one other thing coming up this week. Uh, I'm going to try to get it in. If not, I'll do it for next week. Uh, Nico Heischer, how that it's become, uh, how the Devils have become his team since the Taylor Hall trade. So, just working on that. I think people like that. Um, 
and you know, we're just getting you know a lot of things just happen there, getting ready for trade deadline. Um, obviously, you know, we wrapped up the World Juniors, so we got that. Um, and then obviously, you know, once the playoffs start, you know, it's playoff time and World World Championships. So, and then the draft, and you know, it's 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 gonna get busy. Also, I was gonna say after that time, you know. Um, I'm, I'm going to be gone between 11th and 16th of February visiting, uh, family out in California, but also, uh, during that time after that, um, we will have to talk to Abby Mastraco and, uh, also get, uh, Chris Wasselon and, uh, Alex Chauncey, uh, reached out to three of those people and maybe we can get Amanda Stein on, you know, later in the year when, you know, the season starts to really slow down, uh, for the devil. So, that way we can get more of a, uh, a final evaluation of the season. But going forward, we will have to also bring on some of those people on again when we do have them for the first time. So that way we can get an ideal New Jersey Devils uh, 2020 offseason evaluation. So, And then we'll have a draft party, uh, whether we both go to Montreal or we both – now and then and maybe from some insiders who knows i mean uh it's going to be an interesting season and off season yeah it is it's it's going to be crazy so i mean look the devils tonight got the rangers stay glued um it's going to be a fun game the devils uh can win uh definitely they can beat the rangers um so it should be it's going to be a fun game. I think anyone regardless if you're the Rangers or Wings you should be careful how you play the New Jersey Devils. The Devils are running with points in their pockets nowadays. They're playing like Swiss pikemen. Literally they're they're going to keep you to the outside a lot and there's not going to be a lot of easy rebounds like early in the year. So uh, there's less than 5 minutes left in the podcast, you know. For our listeners uh, who have been so loyal lately, you know, we are so happy that, you know, guys like uh, Dave Bassel and Mike Richards uh, helped us get exposure along with Will Scouch in Canada. So, and also to our Australian listeners, thank you for listening in, you know, and our European listeners and uh, Brazilian ones. So I really thank a lot of our listeners over the, the past almost it's almost been like two thirds of a year since we started this in August. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, I can't believe it's, it's almost been two thirds. Amanda Stein has confirmed that Jack Hughes and Jesper Boquist are both out. Like we deduced earlier in the day in the show that they weren't going to play. Um, no surprise there. Neither guy's ready to go. Um, any other lineup notes, news and notes? Probably not. I think the lineup's pretty much going to be the same. Uh, to our Australian listeners out there, um, we hope you get the relief that you need for the fires, deadly wildfires. We know what it's like here in the States, especially California. They know what you're going through. Uh, prayers are with you guys. I know the tennis season starts down, down under soon. It's probably underway already. So I know there's going to be a big tennis event next week down in Melbourne to help out with the wildfires. So um, if you could just donate to them to help them out. You know, we appreciate all our listeners um, around the world. In Canada, I mean, uh, my boys Dave Bastel and Mike Richards are solid guys. Uh, their show is excellent. They are willing to chat with you on Twitter, interact with them. They're cool dudes. Um, and, and talk about what flavor chocolate you sound like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It, that, was, that was funny. That was a good time. Um, speak, yeah, speaking of chocolates. Listeners from Switzerland and Lausanne, uh, Zurich, and we have a listener in Belgium who has listened to the podcast. So uh, we have really good uh, listeners across the board. Um, I really, I really can't believe we've expanded to so many countries, uh, especially Russia. So um, and and Sweden. So I believe when they listen to their home players you know who are playing for us you know it's great that um, we have expanded in such amount of time uh, for those of you who want to follow in on us we're on twitter 
at uh, at Jersey Podcast uh, underscore in the middle between Jersey and Podcast. Um, and of course, Jim threw in his handle. I'm at Jersey Devil OG. And I'm at Jim Berenger. And so, and then, you know, obviously we'll be throwing out content this week. We'll have the podcast up later. Um, you guys can listen to it again, listen to us live. Um, you know, a lot of big things coming, especially, um, hopefully, you know, on both of our ends, I know my goal is to get to, um, the draft this year, hopefully maybe make it over to Zurich for world championships a bit. Um, so it'll be, it's going to be a fun time. It is going to be a fun time. We have to, uh, eventually wrap up the show within a minute. Uh, nope. I do want to say that uh, the way the seasons started turn around to be a little bit brighter. I hope it's a lot uh, shinier on the other side of the pasture, nice and green. Uh, I hope the ice looks nice and smooth for tonight for the Devils to score some nice, beautiful goals. Uh, I hope you have a similar feeling about tonight's game, regardless of who's in net. I I have a great feeling about tonight's game. I think the Devils going to win. I put it in my predictions that the Devils going to win. Um, but then but then again, I would even if I didn't think they were going to win, I would still put the Devils over the Rangers because that's what I did. I wouldn't be surprised if someone uh, steps up big time and makes a nice, beautiful upset win. Uh, I do like to thank everyone who has you know read our blogs and. Uh, listen to our podcast. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you for listening in to the Jersey Joe corner and uh, have a wonderful evening people. Let's go yeah. Devils. Let's go Devils. Have a blessed night, everybody. Have a blessed night.